Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predescended us for adoption to the sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the richness of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all his wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Well, you should be, you should be sick of Ephesians chapter 1 because we've looked at it uh, Uh, two other times in the past four years, and so I expect it to be fresh on your mind, and you know everything that I'm going to say. As I was thinking about uh, doing uh, something on the Trinity and just refreshing your mind on the Trinity, that we have a God who is three persons in one being, and uh, I thought that this passage would just be be a great one just to uh, run through to uh, just uh, solidify some thinking in our minds about uh, what our God is like and why that's important for us as uh, Christians and beneficiaries of his love and uh, being in a relationship with him. Um, The Trinity is, there is one God, one being, who exists eternally in three persons. Those persons are equally God. However, there is an order in the Godhead, a pecking order, if you will, and we will see that in in this text. So here are some things that I think we will see. Number one, there is a clear Trinitarian delineation. There are three separate persons. And uh, this, you'll see why it's so important as we go through it. Three separate persons. They are not the same person. There is often a fuzziness in our thinking in two ways. One way we get fuzzy in our thinking is to think that we have a single God and a single person God who pretends at different times to be three persons. So it's, it's kind of like we overstress the oneness of God. And sometimes he's the Father, and sometimes he's the Son, sometimes he's the Spirit. There is a large branch of Christianity that believes that, called oneness Pentecostalism. And uh, it's, quite, it's quite popular. Uh, sometimes uh, we think almost like there's three gods. There's a Father and a Son and a Spirit, and they're three separate gods, and so we worship a trinity of gods. Okay, both of those are wrong. One God 
eternally exists as three persons. Um, so one of the things we're going to see is there's, there's a three separate persons. We will see there's a ranking, an order, a pecking order, if you will, to the Trinity. We will see that there's a centrality to the Son for salvation. Um, you've heard some illustrations about how this works. Uh, the last time I talked about the Trinity, um, Jim Hale gave me an illustration from uh, St. Patrick. And St. Patrick was trying to teach the Irish about the Trinity, and so he showed them a shamrock. And there's three separate leaves, and yet it's one plant. Or when I was a kid, the illustration I heard was it's like water. Water can be steam, or it can be solid, or it can be a liquid but it's still water. Uh, none of those really work when we're talking about God. And here's the reason. God is like nothing else in creation. Completely unique. Here's another problem. In our thinking, we think about ourselves, and we are single persons, and we kind of project that onto God. However, we are finite. God is infinite he's an infinite being in that way we will never be like him we will never be infinite there will always be a finiteness to us and so in that sense we will always be a single person god though in his infinity exists as three persons someone asked me this week maureen cosley what's the difference between the character of god and the nature of god character of God are some of uh, the character of God are things like these he's loving just slow to anger merciful generous that's the character of God the nature of God who he is in him in and of himself he's a spirit he's a one God in three persons He's infinite in many ways. That's the nature of God. Now, we are made like God, and we're in his image. And we should strive to have the character of God. But as to the nature of God, we are finite. He is infinite. We will never be like him in that way. So notice the text. This is in your bulletin. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice, first of all, distinction. Distinction. Paul says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He keeps those two separate. There's Jesus and there's God. Or verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're two separate persons. They're not the same. Notice there's a ranking. Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus comes and says, Paul, you are going to represent me. I choose you. However, that's by the plan of God. How come Jesus can make Paul an apostle? Because God has made that plan. There's an order. Um, ultimately, ultimately, the Father has decided it. 
There's a primacy given to the Father. Um, I used to have uh, this kind of fuzzy thinking. Um, Jesus is the head of the church. That's right in the Bible. Therefore, God doesn't have much to do with it. But that's ridiculous. Jesus is the head of the church because that's the will of God. That's the plan of God. There is an order there. God does have something to do with it. Um, believe it or not, this order is reflected in the way that you and I pray. And we do this automatically. We pray to who? Usually the Father. Most often we pray to the Father. And we should. That's the order. We pray to the Father by means of what Jesus Christ has done for us through the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Actually, all three members of the Trinity involved in our praying. But we pray to the Father. That's, that's the order of the Trinity. Um, let's, look at another, let's look at another passage that says the same kind of thing. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 8? If you've got your Bible. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. There you got one God. For even if there are so-called gods, small g, whether in heaven or in earth, so small gods in heaven would be spirit beings and small gods on earth would be idols, not real, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. That's the order. Father's first. But notice, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. And he almost says the same thing about the Lord Jesus as he says about God the Father. God the Father is the one from whom all things come, the Creator, and then Jesus Christ is the one through whom all things came, the Creator. God the Father is for whom we live. We live for the glory of God. We live for Him. And then he says, for Jesus, through whom we live. We have our living because of Jesus. So you see two separate persons, and yet I think he's elevating Jesus Christ to the same level as God. But there's an order. Father, Son. Let me show you another passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I personally love this passage. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Beautiful passage on the Trinity. He's talking about serving in the church and what Christians are doing for others. And notice he says that um, although there are all these differences, yet we have one Spirit, one Lord, one God. All three of them are working in us for the good of the church and for the good of God's people. Um, back, to, back to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So notice when he talks about 
who do we keep our eyes on and who do we follow and who do we, who do we try to be like? It's Jesus Christ. That's who, that's who we're looking to. That's who we're following. So God the Father up here and he's setting the plans and, and he's the big boss. And yet as Christians, we are faithful to Jesus Christ. We're following Jesus Christ. Um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, oh yeah, the centrality of the Son. You will find that, this, that Jesus Christ is the centrality of everything that God wants to do on the earth. And he's the focal point of what God wants to do for us as people. He wants to point us to his son. He wants to connect us to his son. He wants to work in our lives through his son. So he doesn't say that the saints are faithful followers of God. And he doesn't say the saints are faithful followers of the spirit. We are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace we receive is from both the Father and the Son. Again, the elevation of the Son to the same status as God the Father. That's the equality of the Trinity. And I always wonder, well, where's the Spirit? The Spirit willingly accepts a backstage position. He's there, but he takes a back seat so that all of the spotlight goes on to the Son. Notice verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Again, distinction. God the Father and Jesus Christ. He only blesses us in Jesus Christ, though. And that is repeated over and over again in this passage. He blesses us in Christ, and he chooses us in Christ. He predestines us through Christ. We have redemption in Christ through his blood. Uh, we obtain an inheritance in Christ. The Son is the center focal point of all the blessings of God that are brought to us in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Uh, one way I think about it, helps me think about it, is that when it comes to creation, God is the architect. He sets out the plan. Jesus Christ is the contractor. He takes the plan for creation, and Jesus Christ then creates the world. And the Holy Spirit, he's the little workman. He's got the hammer. And he goes down and he makes it happen. Now, that's what I think it's talking about in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. The Spirit of God is the one who is going to do all of the nitty-gritty. God sets the plan. Jesus works the plan. The Holy Spirit does it. The same thing happens in salvation. God sets the plan. God's the one who decides to save you. Is that right? Yes, it does. Yes. He's the one who decides to save you. He's the one who sets the plan. He's the one who chooses you. He's the one who sends the Son. He's the one who loves you. Jesus Christ takes the plan. And he makes it work. And he comes to the earth, and he goes to the cross, and he sheds his blood. 
but you're still not saved. So the Holy Spirit takes that and then he punches the blood into your heart. He's the workman. And he's the one who makes it real in our lives. And so the whole, all three members of the Trinity are working for our salvation. Um, we'll, we'll see that in a few more verses. Let me, let me say one more thing. And this is, this is important with regard to uh, other monotheistic religions such as Islam. So Islam believes in monotheism. And God um, is all by himself. And God creates us, but God still is all by himself, and he's not really that interested in what happens to the earth. That, that, that's the way Islam works. Christianity is different. We believe that God as a trinity was full of love. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Father. They love each other. Out of the overflow of this love, God creates the world. So we have a loving being who creates the world, and he wants to bring us into that loving relationship that he already has with the Son and the Spirit. It's kind of like a whole different picture to, uh, to monotheism. So notice what goes on in the rest of Ephesians 1, verse 4. Even as he chose us, God the Father, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The Father makes the choice, the Father's plan. But he only chooses us in Christ. That's the centrality of Jesus Christ. Begins before the world is created. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Um, why does God do this? What are his motivations for choosing you and choosing I? The motivation is love. That's the motivation. In love he predestined us for adoption to his self as sons. Um, I wrote, it's funny sometimes the things that come out when you read a text. And this morning, as I was reading this, I was writing this, I forget what day, Wednesday or Thursday morning. This morning, I saw that he adopts us to himself. To himself means he wants us close. We're his children. It says the same thing in the previous verse. He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. He wants us right there with him, right there in front of him. That's the Father. The Father wants us right there with him. When you go to heaven, you're not going to the back 40. You're right, right front and center with God the Father. Our family, our family used to have these extended family Christmases until the family got too big. And uh, my Uncle Dave uh, would always disappear. And uh, you'd never know where he was. And it's because he was sitting off in a room by himself. He couldn't take the mayhem of all the people being around. And uh, if you wanted to find Uncle Dave, you just had to go find the quietest place in the house, and he'd just be sitting there. Well, Dave's going to have problems when we get to heaven. Because God chose you 
to be right in front of him. He wants you right there. And he adopted you as sons to himself. He wants you. And uh, that's one of the major aspects of the Trinity. It's relational. God wants to have a relationship with people. And it stems out of the fact that he's a relational God. He, he exists in relationship. And then he wants to establish that relationship with us. Um, you see this in the doctrine of the Trinity. John 1.1. 1, 1. You know the verse. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So, first of all, the Word was God. Jesus is very God. In the beginning was the Word. So at the beginning of time, when creation takes place, the Word, the second person of the Trinity, He already exists. But that second little phrase is beautiful. The Word was with God. There's a relationship between the Word and the Father. They have this relationship with each other. Um, that's what God wants with us. As he predestines us to adoption to himself. And then verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. To the praise of his glorious grace. The ultimate reason for creation and salvation is the glory of God. Okay, the ultimate reason for creation and salvation is the glory of God, the praise of his glorious grace. You see it in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. You see it in verse 12, that we might be for the praise of his glory. And you see it in verse 14, to the praise of his glory. And those are statements that are ultimate statements. This is why all this happens to the praise of his glory. Now, this is for Grace and Evelyn. I've got vocabulary for you today. <laughs> the ultimate reason is the glory of God. The penultimate reason is the magnification of the Son. So penultimate is one less than ultimate. So penultimate reason is so that Jesus Christ could be the head of everything. So that everything could be summed up in Jesus Christ. And for Grace and Evelyn, the anti-penultimate, so now we're two before the ultimate, the anti-penultimate reason and purpose for all of these things is the benefits that we receive. <laughs> so salvation is for our benefit. That's a good thing. But that's not ultimate. Better than that is that everything can be summed up in Christ and so that he can be magnified. But the ultimate reason is for the praise of the glory of God. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. What is that redemption? The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which God set forth in Christ 
as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and on earth. And in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I think that's talking about God. God's working everything according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in Jesus Christ, you also. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. All of these wonderful blessings from God, adoption, redemption, inheritance, how do we know we have them? The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Cannot be lost. So God the Father makes the plan. The Holy Spirit works the plan. I mean, Jesus Christ works the plan and gives up his life as a sacrifice for our sins, as an atonement, so that we may have redemption through his blood. And it's the Holy Spirit who now comes and seals it to our heart so that it is real to us and it's never lost. So this week, I hope when you think about God, you think about the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three, fully God. And yet all three persons working for our salvation, working for our church, working for us, so that all things will be summed up in Christ, so that Christ will be magnified. Why? To the glory of God the Father. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.